Welcome back to Latin Rouge Cycling Podcast. We were starved of racing yesterday with the rest day. How dare they? And we're back with the Pyrenees. A sort of light introduction to the Pyrenees today with stage 16 from Carcassonne to Foix. 179 kilometers long with a couple of lumps in the first 40 Ks and then two major climbs, two Cat 1s. They give a few points uh, for the KOM competition. Port de Lair, 11.5 kilometers at 6.7%. With the flat beforehand, all the riders should be pretty close on such a climb uh, with the drafting. Then a descent straight into the Murder which is 9.4Ks at 7.6%. Absolute textbook definition of a fake news climb with the first five kilometres at 5% and the last uh, four and a half kilometres or the next three and a half at about 11.4%. So a climb of two halves, uh, the last half certainly taking longer before a sort of shallow descent of 27 kilometers into Foix, which is actually the closest, uh, no, the closest it got to my house was Tarascon sur Ariège, uh, but I didn't want to go as one road from my house out there and it'd be chocked up with traffic. Although there weren't too many spectators on the climb today. Very, very hot uh, down there, not as hot up here. Uh, but this show, as always, is brought to you by our show partner, Zwift. The Tour de France fam avec Zwift kicks off on Sunday, 24th of July, this Sunday. Benji and I are going uh, I think I'm going to the TT because it's on the way to at Rocamador. Uh, it's back to back with the men's race, but earlier in the afternoon, actually at a civil time for people in <laughs> Australia or even in Europe, it's at a civil time, a better time. And Zwift and ourselves are calling on all cycling fans to watch the fam. Benji and I are recording our preview pronto. Most of the teams are announced, so we're double stacking into the night this evening, ready to go on that preview for the Tour de France fam, Avec Zwift. Thanks, as always, to Zwift for supporting the podcast. But the break formation, Benji, a little bit curious again. Yumbo, two men down. How will they respond? They send two men in the break. Yeah, and I think we mentioned it on yesterday's Rest Day Recap that that top of the Peguerre kind of offers an opportunity for a satellite rider that is up the road in the breakaway to wait and be important for their leader towards the finish line after that last climb. And we saw that in that breakaway, like you mentioned, Van Hoydonk in there and Van Aert. But it looked like first a large group was created, including a rider of UAE, which is Magnolti, and also a rider of Ineos Martinez. And then Van Aert responded to that. So I think he was like, okay, those two are in there. Perhaps I also should be in there then and play that similar role. But then Van Hoydonk also bridged towards the end. So I'm not sure if the plan was to get both in. It might have been because it turned out all right towards the end. We'll talk about it in a bit. But when it comes to the rest of that breakaway, multiple riders per team. And it was a bit odd because some teams had just climbers and not necessarily a tug buddy in there to help them out. But um, yeah teams that also completely missed out. Anyway, I'll go over that group very quickly with the most important names. We had the likes of McNulty, Van Aert, Van Hoydonk, Martinez, like I mentioned, as satellite riders. Vlazov in there, who is on 11 minutes or 10.32 in GC starting today's stage. Groschartner as teammate. Izagire and Jorgensen as potential satellite riders for Movistar and Dick Mas. We had three riders from FDG, Le Gac, Maduels and Storer. Geschke, KOM jersey guy. Two riders from Bahrain, Caruso and Turns. We had Ekov in there. We'll play a role in today's stage, finally. We've got Wellen, Schulberg, Galopin, Hugo Ull and Woods. Two mates for uh, Israel. And we've got Silbard, Gujar, Burgodor. But then we had three riders trying to bridge. Matthews, because Bike Exchange missed the breakaway. Zimmermann, because Anthony Manche missed the breakaway. And Simmons, 
because they only have Galopin in that breakaway. So three teams that are trying to fix the situation they are in and they failed to do so. But I think the reason that they couldn't get to the front is because Simmons decided to shave his beard. Like he's he unrecognizable. He's pretty fucked up. I don't care that it's 42 degrees. Mid TDF, he's had a beastly second week. He's shaving the beard. It's just not right. And yeah. he should know that. And yeah, that's all I have to say on the matter. And we saw the result of it today, not being able to bridge the break. So <laughs> I rest my case. Yeah. Um, shouldn't have shaved it. But yeah, it was cur- there's a lot of like a Yumbo Visma too short staffed behind. They have behind Laporte, Benote, Coos. Coos on the flat can't do anything. If it's even on the short, punchy climbs, like the we're talking fourteen hundred meters, six percent, like not good. Uh, Benoit must be in good condition. We're thinking because he crashed on stage fifteen. If he's like he or she shape of week one, there's no way you can do this. So that was the first tell that Benoit must be feeling all right, even though he had a few bandages. Yes, exactly. And what I was thinking about is. Did they perhaps get too many riders in that breakaway? Are they considering pulling Von Hoidong back to pace in that peloton now to try and control Vlasov in the breakaway? Vlasov's only on like, well, he's on 10.32. And if I'm the DS of Yumbo here, I don't care if this break gets 11, 12, 13 minutes. I don't care if Vlasov takes yellow by a minute at the end of today's stage. I just don't want the guy to gain like 17 minutes in the stage. to have seven minutes in the end of the stage. But that was a bit of an unrealistic scenario to begin with. But they did set the pace in the peloton while they had riders in the breakaway, most likely to keep the gap relatively okay between like five minutes and eight minutes. I think they, it they was let it go the out. Stage. They let it go out. It was they had it pegged at five, and then it just started to go out a little bit towards as they realized, okay, we're near the base of the climbs now. The peloton yeah. will speed up. We no longer need to control. It's all under control. They let it out to eight, eight thirty, I think. Exactly, but before we got to that Bordelaire climb, there's one thing that happened in the breakaway that, ooh, one man was very triggered. Nils Eikhoff decided that he wanted to take the green jersey points from Wout Fanard, and Wout Fanard was not having it. <laughs> he was not having it, but if I you're Wout, Wout they don't matter, right? contesting them. Well, I think he should just roll over the line at the front, and if no. someone else outsprints him, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's already mathematically won green as of about a week yeah. ago. There's a little bit of prize money available for whoever takes the intermediate sprint. If I was Ekhoff, I'd be angry at wow. Like, really? The three points are going to make a difference to you? Whereas, you know, I'm looking for a little bit of prize money. I think I look at it completely the other way. I think wow should be letting mm-hmm. Ekhoff take the prize money. But anyway, I don't know if I there was so. actual beef after. Oh, they were just talking to each other a bit, and it's probably. Not the best friends directly after, but I think indeed that Wout van Aert shouldn't be uh, thinking about those extra three points. It shouldn't get triggered by this kind of stuff, definitely on a stage like this. And uh, we basically saw that breakaway having some move before the portal there. I think Wellens tried an attack left and right. We had a moment where Burgodeau and Gujar were ahead of the group for a oh, bit. Oh, yeah. But... The total car came up and told Burgodeau to stop. Burgodeau is the guy who won the Pyrenees <laughs> stage attacking ahead of... On six ahead of Pedersen and Trek. Yeah, Aldi Alphalete. But he's actually not bad, but not for this train. But yeah, they told him to sit up. He was like, all right, no, nah, bro, you should sit up. (laughs) You're looking down the barrel of 70Ks of flat. And Gujar was like, actually, I will continue with this, uh, with 20 people chasing. Bissiger was uh, sprinting, keeping KOM points away from Geshka on the Cat 4s. And we presume then that Nielsen Powers is going for KOM. The problem with that is his climbing 
doesn't look good enough to do that from my perspective. So that looked like a plan for them at least. And yeah, we have Van Hooydonk ahead. And is he going to be called back to pace Portelaire? Is he going to be doing the descent? Is Wout, like obviously we spoke about it on the rest day preview yesterday, a recap yesterday. Yumbo had to have someone in the break and someone strong for that descent. And with Benoit injured, I thought, wow, it was the best person for that. You have to. It's 27 kilometers pedaling descent. Pagach is better on that than Jonas. Geraint Thomas is better than that than Jonas. You need Wout wow, there as defensive. And also, potentially, if someone has a bad day, Wout wow, can get on the front and pull. So I think Ineos had Martinez there for the same reason. UAE had McNulty there for the same reason. Yeah, exactly. And while all this stuff was happening with Yambo, we had one guy with a very bad day in the peloton. Mark Soler was dropping through the group and at a certain point going through the convoy, went to the medical car for a bit, reported to be vomiting by the side of the road and Ginger straight up dropped off the back of the peloton. So not a good day for him. He ended up losing four and a half minutes every 10 kilometers from that point onwards. And as we are speaking, I'm pretty sure he's not finished yet. I uh, don't think he's going to be in time. I don't know why they keep this guy riding. Like, he's literally vomiting every few kilometers. He's clearly not having it when it comes to the heater and so forth. Like, then at the end of the stage, it's suddenly reported that it's not due to the heat, but due to back pain. But he's vomiting by the side of the road due to back pain. Like, I'm not a doctor, but those well, two things are linked for me. painkillers that made him... S- like, I saw Perhaps. them giving him medication. Like, I can't have... Um, Nurofen or ibuprofen tablets mm-hmm. anymore cooks my stomach. I don't know. I'm guessing here, but yeah, back pain and vomiting don't seem directly linked. I'm not a doctor, but I I don't think they are. And yeah, that that's a big blow for Pagacha because I thought Soler was going to pace Portelet. And as I said before, if it's eleven and a half k six seven percent, Ineos don't take it up. By the way, Ineos so passive today. Like they had like seven guys on the front. Yumbo had Seb Goose looking around like, please don't. He must have been thinking, please don't try anything on this rolling train. I, I, and they didn't. Um, but without Soler and with McNulty in the break, you've got to have Micah for the murder bagur. Numbers don't add up. Yumbo Visma can completely control the tempo. And that's exactly what happened. In the breakaway, there was an attack on the Porto there where the race really kicked off more than even on the murder bagur where uh Wout was marking Vlasov and McNulty primarily and then we had Caruso going ahead we, he was chased by Stora and maybe Madawas tried to bridge him Woods bridging across to him and so they're the non-GC non-KOM breakaway threats they go a bit clear and we have the group behind sort of with GC intentions Jorgensen pulling them uh and Jorgensen actually might have the earpiece out today as I think he should have and so Wout's <laughs> marking them and he eventually keeps pulling just to make sure they get across. And then behind them, Benji on the Portelaire, they all get across. Geshka in that group with Wow. I'll let Benji do the breakaway action at the into the base of Murder Pagan. But in the GC group, we see an attacker to Enric Mass. Team attack. <laughs> Off the pacing Benote, by the way, not just feeling okay, good. Pacing Portelaire. A few people even looking a bit. I thought Pog looked a bit meh. I thought he didn't look great even there. Um, yeah, but he, yeah, he would attack then, uh, afterwards. But I just didn't. I don't think he looked just his position in the peloton just looked a bit odd to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Movistar team attack across. Yumbo don't respond because why would they? Kuz takes over. Van Hoydonk's waiting just over the crest. 
and eventually I think Menkes responds and we have the first Pikachu attack Benji and like he he must know and I'm probably the pog denier here but even peak Pikachu with with them all rolling in in the wheels on a flat stage beforehand all in the wheels he must know that won't work on the first climb off the pacing of the note with the group 25 deep yes but i feel like when when that attack happened it was at a moment where jonas was caught a bit of heart off guard because he didn't respond directly he seemed like he was in third position behind cousin so far nah, and when that bogacher what sorry he let coos close as much as he could yeah i think he was i, I think he was remaining calm i don't I, I think he was not seeing it really yeah actually you're probably right Comments will tell us. Sorry, continue. Basically, when that Pogacar move went, I, what I saw was just a, not distress when it comes to Vingegaard, but not instantly a, a response either. Because I think that a lot of people didn't expect it to happen on the Port de anyway. Like you mentioned, even Pogacar should know that it likely won't work in a situation like this. Perhaps the competition was feeling that it also wouldn't be happening in a situation like this. But uh, I did notice when that attack happened, Benoit went off the front obviously, because he was done for pretty much. And then Vingegaard did use Gus to try and remotely close it down, but didn't last too long, huh? The Gus, the Gus pull before Jonas had to go himself behind Pogacar? Yeah, it wasn't too long. Jonas is like, all right, time to snap close. It's very similar to Col de Marie Blanc, where Roglic weighed a little bit on Dumoulin's pacing in 2020. But yeah, it was just the first tester. They do stop start. Ineos, Grant Thomas, he's seen this now a dozen times in this Tour de France. He doesn't react. He's paced back. He knows these two, when Jonas close, will sit up. I think, did Pogaccio try a second time on the actual climb? Um, yep. He did. Jonas now in the wheel easily. And poor Enric Maas's gap that he'd obtained with Mulberger was, and Verona quickly uh, evaporating. And then yeah. over the top of the port, I know they got so unlucky, but also not unlucky. Vlasov got in the break early and then he gets the gap. Like it's, if you get a 30 second gap on the first count one, you can't expect to gain much time, if any, yeah. especially must a bad descender. So that's the problem with his strategy as well in a descent finish stage. Um, and Pagatra eventually attacks over the top of the climb, full gas sprint into the, the, the descent. And he's got Jonas in the wheel. Van Hoydonk's waiting on the other side. He sees him go past. He's kind of half taken aback. And he's like, holy <laughs> shit. And he starts sprinting the 80 kilo Rouleur plus back to them. Jonas was in the wheel, no problem. And I mean, to be honest, Benji, like he could have almost let it go with Van. Like he could, if he lets it go, Pagatch is just going to cook himself in the heat. But everyone's there. Quintana's looking good. Was Bardet? He he was the one GC guy already on big trouble on Port Left. First climb of the day. Exactly. Bardet was the one in trouble. But when it comes to the Poggy move, I feel like... Does the last one not feel a bit desperate? Because when, yeah. when it comes to the first two, it's on the climb. He's making different. But the last one feels desperate because you're in a situation where you know Van Hoydonk is ahead. You know Outfinard is ahead. So... There is no way that situation ends with you benefiting from that. And next to that, I always remember the Granol stage, for example. Is it not the initial moves that made that stage harder for Pogacar in the end? And exactly. Does he, like, it feels like he was doing the moves that Vingegaard and Roglic were doing early in the Granol stage. And it might cost them at the end of this stage, is what I thought. 
100%. He was like, I don't know, it's a Hail Mary. And I guess, would it matter in the end? Not really. They get onto that break. Uh, they, the breakaway gets onto the climb. Wow, Fanart sits up. He's just going to conserve and wait at the top, it seems. He's not chasing anyone else at that point. Vlasov had been in trouble. He wouldn't gain huge time today, but he does gain some. He recovers well. Uh, but yeah, on the on the climb, Israel do play their numbers really, really well. They get Ugo Wool up the road, then Mike Woods sits on all attacks. You do it that way because Woods is the better pure climber. You want Ul ahead. He's a strong guy, but the steep gradients are going to cost him. He's not going to be able to respond to attacks and bridges from Stora, maybe Caruso uh, or Jorgensen on that steep section. So you want him ahead doing his pace, and then Woods can do those reactions to motivate people, and they played it perfectly. Ul gets a huge gap, 45 seconds. I think then Jorgensen goes clear with Woods on the wheel. Stora was dropped with Woods sitting on him, just looking at him all the time. Madawa's dropped, Caruso gone. And so Ul gets over the top and he's got this whole descent, 27 kilometers, perfect for him. But he's against Jorgensen, who's a big guy too. Um, and Woods can't sprint behind him. But unfortunately, on the, on the descent, Jorgensen crashes. I wonder how close it would have been if he hadn't. He was closing a little bit. It was like 30 seconds. I don't think he would have closed it. Um, but he crashes, and so we have Ugo going for a big, big solo victory. Great tactics from Israel, and I think Woods took third because Madawas came back. Woods didn't help Jorgensen, who did get back on the bike, and I think Stora paced Madawas, even though we'll get to go to in a second, and so Woods took third, even though I think if he helped Jorgensen pace, he could have taken second for more points, UCI points. But a great stage win for Ugo Ul, Benji. We should spend like a little bit of time on who he is and also credit Israel for what's already a brilliant tour. Yeah, 100%. They got two riders in the breakaway today and they made their their best out of it. And, well, actually, didn't they get like two, no, two riders in the breakaway. Yes, indeed. But when it comes to Goul, I think he uh, unfortunately lost his brother like 10 years ago. I think 2012, if my mind serves me right, in a, in a hit and run or something. And he said, I think last year in a, an interview on Velo News by Saive um, that um, he wanted to win a Tour de France stage in his memory, and doing that a year later is is absolutely insane. I like genuine a stage genuine, like this. Yeah, godlike performance. I know, and he was good in the Mads Pedersen Fred Wright stage. Remember, he tried there. He's already shown he has really good legs. Israel, the team has brought their best legs to this race. Full sangs. Unfortunately, I think he's out with the fractured rib. But like Clark won the cobbled stage. Incredible. Froome is actually doing really well. Froome was in the fucking GC group over Port Dallaire. I know that's like okay, he's not winning the Tour de France, but it's better than where he has been. Woods is looking good, given he crashed pretty badly a week or so ago. So they brought their legs to the tour, and they're doing really well. Two stage wins is legit. So they joined Bike Exchange with that. And, yeah, Ugo said afterwards to the camera, this one's for my brother, Great pointed at the skies across the line. Great performance from him. Unlucky for Jorgensen. He just keeps knocking at the door. He just keeps getting these breaks. And so from the breakaway, it was Ul Madwaz Woods, Jorgensen Stora, Vlasov on 140. He would take uh, quick maths, four minutes, four and a bit minutes on the main GC group, turns Geshka Berger to Caruso. Caruso faded. So back to the GC group now. We'll fi- we finished with the break. Wout McNulty Martinez waiting at the top of this steep wall, Murder Berger. 
Micah, no, Movistar, Master's been caught. They set up a train on the 5K 5% section, pacing pretty hard, keeping the pace on. We get to the wall. Micah moves up he, and then starts pacing on this climb. Everyone in the first minute spat. It's exactly like the Kura Nerve. Thomas off the back, Yates off the back, Godu, Bade, I think he came back on the descent. He was spat. He lost a lot of time today. Quintana looking, I couldn't believe he was still there. It's not a stage I thought that suited him. And we have Sepp, Kuz, and Jonas Fingergaard there on Pogaccia's wheel. At what point, Benji, remember what's our golden rule, if Pogaccia feels good, he will attack. At what point did you re- think, I don't think Pog is feeling top right now. Was it when he took a bid on late in the climb, sprayed himself and didn't discard it? Was it before the Mike and mechanical mishap? I feel like I already had a feeling that it wasn't his best day based on the way he was looking on the bike and that he had a shirt open already. And usually when, when Pog starts doing that is because he's, he's, he's getting really hot on the bike and so forth. And we noticed that Micah has that mechanical. He, I think he breaks his derailleur or something, and he kind of almost takes out Pogacar on the climb in that moment. But Pogacar feeling good would use that moment and instantly attack, I think. And I did not see that. I saw him straight up riding a bit of tempo and then seeing if Kuzan Vingegaard would do something instead. And that was for me the moment where I was like, okay, maybe. Maybe he's not looking that good, and maybe he might actually be in trouble by the end of this climb. I think he didn't have it. Um, he would have attacked. The problem is for him, like, he's probably thinking, if I attack and get dropped, if Jonas counters, there's Wout Van Aert ahead, I could lose some big time. And I know he's got yeah. McNulty ahead. Say he does attack, and he's like, okay, I do have to attack. If he gets 10 seconds over the top, Wout's bringing Jonas back like easily on that descent so there could just be he thought he tactically shut it down that's also very valid from my perspective i don't believe that because he just would have attacked on baguera if he felt good the pace initially initial climbing times and was per kilo that micah was setting was not nuclear it was an initial test and then thomas starts coming back these guys yeah. could do more except then started setting yeah a decent tempo but with Thomas coming back, I was like, nah, he, he doesn't have it. So would Jonas try him? He didn't. I'll have to look over the crest. Like, did Pogaccio, could he respond to Jonas' little acceleration? But he didn't try him, so we'll never know. It's all hypothetical. I think Jonas could have dropped him on the climb. Yeah. But if you don't try, you don't get any time. And so they all collect their satellite riders. Everyone. <laughs> Thomas clicks Martinez. UAE get McNulty. Wow, goes on the front. And we, like, we don't even need to really see the rest of the stage like they're coming in together Gudu came back did Gudu come back was he dropped he came back in the descent so um eventually he did correct the mishap of the Diaz of not getting back Madhu and Storer from the front to help out or one of them from the front to help out Gudu himself so I think if Gudu lost time today questions would have been asked in French media about the Diaz at Rupala oh wow yeah they didn't drop back Matawas, Elstora. Wow. Uh, there was a third rider in the break as well, but I don't know Legac. if... He probably was Legac, behind. He, yeah, probably. Already behind. Yeah, you're right. So, like, they did the steep part of Murderburger, 13 minutes at 6.2, 6.3. I don't know. I don't know. It's. I think, I think it's a missed opportunity, personally. 
I think it's also a missed opportunity if Jonas had the legs for it. Obviously, we're not in his yeah, head. We, we don't, don't know. know if he, he might had have been it. like, Poggy, don't attack. Exactly. We don't know that. But if he had the legs at the top of this climb and he didn't make the move, but is now feeling like, oh, I could have made the move, then I feel like it was a missed opportunity because... Like, when it comes to Pogacar, every time he's in trouble, you do notice it. The way he handles on his bike, his pain face is recognizable. It's like, it's in the details, but it is there. And I swear I saw it at the end of Pogacar. And I think uh, if Fingergaard had anything to attack, then Pogacar would have likely been in trouble towards the end of this climb. And hey, but is it we'll never it know. to go full gas for, for 30 seconds, 45 seconds? He's 100%. got a 220 lead. Van Aert is up front. Yeah, but... Then there's McNulty and you, uh, Ineos might chase you. Is it yeah, worth it? McNulty is not the greatest descender. Martinez is a terrible descender, so those satellite riders won't yeah. do it. I mean, I'm just playing yeah. devil's advocate. Maybe Jonas yeah. is like, I'm 220 ahead. I feel superior. What do I need to do? Any Take any risk at all. Yeah, but that's 2020, Twitter, that's 2020 Tour de France all over again where they didn't take risks and eventually it bit them in the eyes in the final time trial. Yeah, but I don't think anyone in their wildest dreams thinks Pog is taking 220. I guess we said that in 2020. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> you never know when you could have a bad moment. I agree with you. Just playing devil's advocate, I always believe if you feel good, if it tactically is possible, you must always try. Even just a five second, get out of the saddle, just a little surge, have a look. Because if Pogacic feels bad, he just won't respond. He'll stay seated. And yeah. then you know, then you hit it. So, but anyway, it's... It ended up being no real GC action in the top three, although we did have big moves in terms of um, the fourth to tenth region with Quintana. Unlucky not to gain more time on Gudu today, to be honest, or Thomas. He was with the, those guys, but the Gudu was able to come back. Thomas was able to come back. He moves from sixth to fourth, now in 4.15, about 90 seconds behind Thomas. Gudu moves from eighth to fifth, despite having actually... Not a great day or great teamwork on 4.24, nine seconds by Nairo. Yates moves down one to 5.28. He got dropped uh, a bit badly today. Menkes keeps in seventh. Vlasov moves 11th to eighth on 6.18. Bade fourth to ninth on 6.37. So no KOM. GC looking pretty rough for him. And DSM, no, no stage wins. So, yeah, their tour has gone from podium hopeful to not great pretty fast in a matter of a day. Peacock moves down one as well as Mars because of Vlasov's shuffle there in 10, 11, and 12.45. So a pretty a bad day for Mars too, frankly. Like now in 11th on 12.45, yeah. the there's six minutes to ninth, Benji. He ain't making up six minutes. Yeah, I think so as well. I think uh, it's not looking good there when it comes to Mars. He's going to have to go all out from far like he did today. And hope that it works in the coming days because otherwise he's not gaining much there. If I was Movistar, I'd try the same that they did today. Try and go for stages while trying to save a top 10 for Miles. Bit of com combination work. And not bring everything down to solely Miles GC just like they did today. Because when it comes to their activities on the portal air that is attacked by Movistar, I don't hate it. I like it. They're trying stuff. Like, sure, you can... Complain, oh, they should not have been pacing at the start of the Mude Piguet and so forth. But why not try? Like, you might as well try and get the best out of it, I think, if you're in that position. Or am I wrong? 
I think it's okay. You hope that no one responds. They kind of predicted that Pagacha would light it up like that. The, the problem is mass descending. Like, you've got to be good down and uphill, and Gadu was able to come back on the descent. And, yeah, just a tough day for... And I'm surprised Bardet didn't come back more on that last descent, even with teammates. I think he had... Uh, I'm looking. He had Lechnersund and Hamilton with him, and, yeah, they'd lose, like, three, four minutes. So... Tough day for him. Maybe the heat affected him. Tomorrow's stage, though, another one in the Pyrenees. It was still hot today. The showers didn't come as we expected, as I was hoping, because I'm still sweating. It starts in saint gaudin That's where Conrad won last year, I believe, to Perregoud. 131Ks. It's a short stage. Again, the first 53Ks are flat before four climbs, three Category 1 climbs. First, the Col d'Aspin, 12Ks, 6.5%. That's pretty soft. And then the stepped climb to Orcatan the Yes. The French, is that how you say? The French Occitanie ones always trick me up. 8.6 scs, 5% <laughs> Then the Col de Valorant, Azair, 8.5k, 7.5%. That's a little bit harder. And then Pecalgoud, which is 8.1k, 7.2%. We believe the actual average is harder than that because the profile does not show the 400 meter ramp at the end where you can stop still. What do you think tomorrow, Benji? No Solaire. He's out, right? Yeah, exactly. And when it comes to Yumbo, I don't see them controlling the stage either. So, well, controlling it to keep the break within 40 minutes, probably. But when it comes to the actual stage, I think uh, the break is going to take it as a consequence of those two teams not being overly strong when it comes to numbers. But you think there's an option for Ineos to take control in one of the upcoming stages, try and get more out of this race than a third spot? Because they're safer now, one minute 30 ahead of the fourth spot. I mean, no. Like, does Thomas <laughs> really want, doesn't he just want to not blow up? Like, why change what's been working? Like, if he overextends, he could have real trouble. And Martinez is looking better. He's still, like, he still got dropped from the break. Um, I still don't think he's in top shape where he can, like, shred a climb, like Giro 2021 third week. But... I mean, Yates has to fold into a full domestique role now, but now he's not really a GC bait threat as much. So, like, how much did he lose today? Adam Yates. He lost two, no, 90 seconds. I don't know. I think Castro, like, what can their team do, Benji? The team is really not that good. They have a lot of numbers, right? But they haven't said they're going to use them. Yeah, but... They're also not the leaders that are the most offensive leaders, you know? Thomas is not the guy that will go from far. He's not the Pogacar type of attacking rider. He's the follower, you know? He's the the third wheel of Vingegaard and Pogacar in this entire bloody Tour de France. So, I just... That's the issue I have with this. And that's where an Adam Yates could try from further, but I'd rather see him be super domestique for Thomas than these last two days because Thomas can actually get a podium, but... Adam Yates is also getting out of contract this year, so will he be willing to throw everything away for the podium of Thomas? Not sure, although he kind of did today, unless you don't see it that way. I think he was riding his tempo. I think, although um, he was in front of Thomas, he's still in sixth. I think, yeah, you're right. If you are Yates and you are in contract negotiations, sixth in the Tour de France isn't nothing compared to completely blowing up. If Godu has a bad day like he sometimes has, he can still yep. come fifth. 
for sure. And the TT could be better, although Godus has improved, but Yates could take, I don't know how much time he's behind him. He he could maybe take that in the TT as well, Benji. So, yeah, if, yeah. I, if I'm Yates, I'm not ready to just blow it all apart from far. Yeah. So, and that was the real thing for Yumbo Visma. If Ineos aren't going to come to the party on these multi-mountain stages with back-to-back climbs where draft, they're hard enough, but draft is also extremely important on them. Perfect combo. If Ineos aren't going to come to the party getting Pidcock up the road, Yates up the road, then, like, it's easy for Yumbo or, or easier for Yumbo because basically McNulty will pace. I don't think he can hurt Jonas or Sepp. Micah will pace. Okay, maybe he drops Sepp on a bad day. Jonas will still be there. And then you get to the final climb and it's head-to-head and there you go. So it's more if Ineos attack, Jonas has to close it. Yumbo have to spend resources and Pikachu can feast off it. Uh, just that doesn't seem like it's happening. So do you think break tomorrow, Benji? Because if Yumbo get the right composition at the start, why would they pace it back or pace tomorrow hard at all? Oh, I see no point in doing so unless it's like a really dangerous breakaway for Yumbo. But yeah, in general, I just think break wins as a consequence. They'll try and keep it relatively close. They might have a satellite ride up there just in case like they had with Vanard and Van Hoydong today because it really worked out well. Like in hindsight, having the two up there was great, but the danger of having two up there is that if Vingegaard has a problem with a mechanic yeah, or a crash. Yeah, nothing went wrong. Exactly. If it goes wrong, then he's in trouble. And then they need to wait ASAP from the breakaway and things need to be handled swiftly by the DS and the car and so forth. So that's when panic strikes. And we've seen when panic strikes at Yumbo that sometimes stuff goes wrong. So I don't know. I feel like I'd rather see him have just one rider in the breakaway on a stage like this instead of two, for example. And if I'm honest, while... I don't, I don't know Yumbo where... Yumbo should not have anyone in the break tomorrow. I think because... I'm also leaning towards it because, like... Train. Yeah, or I can... think so. Just control it and prevent attacks as, as much as possible on the first two climbs. It would be crazy if Pogacar goes on the first two, but you never know at this can point. Can McNulty drop WoW on those climbs? I don't think he can. I don't think he can either. So I think the action will come on Valuron Azen if you've got Van Aden because there, then you might be able to control a lot more than you think. And if Vingegaard can respond to the attacks of Pogacar there, then he only needs to defend for one more climb, which is Peragur. So I think the further the team can bring Vingegaard until Pogacar attacks him is the best case scenario for Yamba. Yeah, I think you let break win, make sure the composition is right. No Vlasov, no Pidcock, no Menkes. We happen to keep it tight get that break composition right at the start where they have the good team for it, then you just let that gap go to 15. But if you do that, is there not a value in the rider like Van Hoydonk or Laporte being in there just in case to make sure they survive Urquette dans saison in the peloton? Yeah, but... Okay, so that means Nathan Van Hoydonk could pace that very short valley before Col de Valorant, right? Yeah, but... yeah. In the, on the flat, because difference. there's not that much flat for him. Yeah. So wouldn't you just it, like have climbed, him do Col d'Aspin at four and a half watts per kilo? Yeah, he climbed the entirety of Col de quite a fair or half of it at least yeah. to get away the entirety of that Galibier side on all the West. Yeah. So the guy can do Aspin and, and yeah, probably Aspin. I wouldn't like, say Unless Ineos want to 
launch it with Yates or Pidcock, yeah. then I mean, yeah, what what else who else is gonna do anything unless Naira wants to take time? But I think Naira he ain't playing for the win. Um yeah. he's trying to feast on the podium guys making a big mistake. So I think train tomorrow, breakaway win. I think you just Pagacha will probably attack on Col de Valorant as there, like he has to, as we said in the rest day recap, like he can't attack, even if Jonas quote unquote cracks on the ramp tomorrow and loses 30 seconds, that's not enough, at least in my opinion. He'll need to then go on Altagam again. So he'll probably go on Col de Valorant. Jonas will mark him. Wout or Kuss will come back. They'll pace the descent. Michael will pace Perigude climb. Pagacha will attack again if he feels good. And then we'll see who's feeling best on the ramp. But I wouldn't be surprised for a big GC group at the finish, Benji. Like, UAE don't have the team to keep Ineos behind, being Thomas, like, all stage. So, yeah. and we don't have the murder Pagur section in the in the middle of the stage where the watts will out and teammates don't matter for that section. So, it did for the descent. But who do you like? I, I just, yeah, I think break because Soler's out. It's just break to me. I think break as well. And when I do so think about breaking away stage in the third week, then I also think about riders that are trying to get back in the top 10 after not being in the top 10. And then I look at the positions are roughly 12 to 15, perhaps to try and do stuff on stage like this. The riders we see there is a Lutsenko on 14 minutes. Nelson Paula's on 18 minutes. Maduwa's on 22 minutes. And I think that rider might be a good satellite rider for Godou. If Godou needs him, then he can come back if Kudu doesn't need him he can gain time and even come close to a top 10 perhaps if we see some people there fall out of that so I think those three riders perhaps the Bob Jungles Luisian Sanchez the riders in that area Pino needs to be in more breakaways than he has been but I feel like he hasn't been as good as uh, people were perceiving him to be but hey I'm willing to see him surprise on stages like this but I'd like to see Chris Froome in the breakaway again I'll do style Froome could win tomorrow He's like, I'm not messing around. Like you always look, if you want to look, okay, who could do well from a break? Look at who's made it into last 20 in the GC group, who's not really a GC threat. And I'll give you a similar name. Bob Jungles was there on uh, Portelaire today when they were sending it, at least late. He was in a group of 10 or 12 at the back. I was like, who's that AG2R guy? It's him. They got two guys left in the race or three guys, APP and... Sherelle, uh, I don't want to say the second one. APP is definitely out, and another rider's out with COVID um, from the rest day tests. Yeah. So I like Jungles. I also like Mike Woods again. He seems to be okay. This one's an uphill finish with a steep ramp at the end. I like Woods. So I'm going to, depending on their odds, probably I've, de- I've destroyed their odds. But yeah, I like <laughs> Woods. I think the reason that I mentioned Paulus and Sofov being in the breakaway is because I expect them to be there for KOM together with Geshku. But the fear that I have there is that yeah, that'll kill those them. riders might spend energy on those KOM points, yeah. which means they might not win the stage, like you're saying. And I think Geshku could have won leaning. a stage by now. I think so as well. I'm going for Lutsenko, YOLO. I think that's a good pick. He's good on these 7% climbs. Um, he'll need to get ahead before the final ramp from a Mike Woods could step off him there. So that's a nice pick too. Paulus, Lutschenko, Jungles, Woods. Look for those sort of guys. Geshka, of course, must be in the break. You need tug buddies tomorrow. It's the flat start. You have to have them. And so break formation will be interesting. Then take an hour siesta, I think, until the first climb starts. But are you expecting, what do you expect in GC tomorrow, Benji? Uh, when it comes to GC, I think that Pogacar will go on Ludo I think we'll see action there. 
And hopefully, for the entertainment purposes of the last few days, Pogacar can get a bit of a dent in when it comes to Fingergold, but I swear I've been saying that for like five days straight now, so I feel like it's less likely to happen at this point, but it would be it would be ideal for the entertainment of the race, but I feel like Jonas is uh, really damn strong right now. But like when I look at tomorrow's parkour, I do see opportunities to go from afar, but I swear the stage after that looks like a stage where Pogacar would dare to go all out from like the third last climb already, instead of like the second last climb on tomorrow's stage. So I feel like tomorrow might still be the one where he waits until the second last climb, even the steeper parts of that climb, to try and do something there. Once Fingergaard is a bit more isolated with Soli, likely Kuss and Bernard left, unless Bernard is surprisingly still there at that point. Well, some I think will have it's going to be paced. So unless yep. they use McNulty early and he's on, but yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough for Pagacha. He's been really kneecapped by his team. One note is that I hope that once we see a rider getting sick or having pain about halfway the race and he starts losing five minutes every 10 kilometers to make it very clear that he's going to OTL by the end of the stage, that teams actually decide for the rider to pull him out in advance because Merku was kept in the race the entire way. Finished OTL, Mark Slayer OTL'd, by the way. He's out of the race. But Merku was like, close. Like, there was a chance he could make it in. A chance, but the chance no, but was Soler, very slim. there was no... Like, yeah. he was... When yeah. he was done, like, the minute Outrageous, yeah. Um, exactly. So, yeah, they should pull him out. Because at some point, there's going to be a day where there's going to be consequences with a rider, like, actively being overheated or something in a race and getting something bad out of that. And I don't want to see that. One of the uh, riders, pretty big rider, came over last night and we were talking about, and I was like, what's more dangerous, 41 degrees, where you start getting feeling a bit sick or heat stroke or dehydrated or six degrees and drizzle? And he like laughed. He was like, obviously, the, like, the heat is way more dangerous. Um, and I don't even know if they had the adjusted extreme weather protocol today. It wasn't 40s, but I'm not sure if they did. I'll have to check. But anyway, that's all from us. Bigger GC day, one would think, tomorrow. Pagach is not going down without a fight. Did Yumbo miss a chance today? Jonas looking pretty unflappable, to be honest. Thanks, as always, to Zwift for supporting the show, and we'll see you at the recap tomorrow. Ciao.